You're listening to Comedy Central. April 9th, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. champion. She's written an empowering new book called Wolfpack. Abby Wambach is here, everybody! Also, also on tonight's show, the Mueller Report is almost here. Belgian chocolate is from Pennsylvania and the world's most complicated condoms. So let's catch up on today's headlines. First up, March Madness. Last night was the final game of the biggest tournament in college sports, and it ended in a comeback for the ages. Now to the end of March Madness, a year after becoming the first top-seeded men's team to lose to a number 16, Virginia has snagged its first title. The Cavaliers won in a heart-stopping fashion with an overtime thriller against Texas Tech. Yes, congratulations, Virginia. Wow, it took more than a year, but you guys finally did it. You made the news for something other than racism, huh? (laughs) That wasn't so hard, was it? All you had to do was get some young black men to work for you for free, and bam! (laughs) Racism solved, baby! (laughs) Done! And I must say, congratulations to Texas Tech, too. They had an amazing run, and honestly, the last game was really stacked against them. Because first of all, and this is true, Texas had to deal with Ted Cruz rooting for them. So, I mean, (laughs) yeah, you know, even worse, he was collecting all their sweaty towels. What are you gonna do with those, Ted? I have my reasons. (laughs) Also, I think the team would have done a lot better if the coach hadn't recruited Aunt Becky's daughter as their power forward. I have no idea (laughs) why he did that. But let's move on to some 2020 election news. Because this changes everything. Eric Swalwell has just become the 18th Democrat running for president. The California congressman making his big announcement on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Swalwell says he's been thinking about entering the race for months. He says too many Americans feel like they're just running in place. I'm ready to solve these problems. I'm running for president of the United States. Woo! Oh, hell yeah! You know, when there were only 17 candidates, I wasn't really interested, guys. But now that they're 18, I'm in. Two more and we got a free car wash. (laughs) But yes, Eric Swalwell is joining the race. He's a congressman from California and he's also every guy who's ever played lacrosse. So (laughs) that brings the tally to 18 Democratic candidates. Look at all those faces, huh? Look at all of those faces. 18. And by the way, that doesn't even count Joe Biden, who isn't running yet, although he's getting really close, like uncomfortably close. (laughs) So close he can smell it. (laughs) What's gonna be really interesting is that all these Democrats are basically running on the same platform. So like, how are they gonna differentiate themselves? The debates are just gonna be a, a competition in inflection. 
It's gonna be like, I support healthcare for everyone. Be like, I support healthcare for everyone. I support healthcare for everyone. I'm voting for the last guy. Moving on to some news coming out of Washington. Today, Congress held a hearing on white nationalism and racism in America. because they were trying to figure out if it's a problem or not. Spoiler alert, it is. And YouTube <laughs> had to shut down the comments on the live stream of this event because get this, it immediately filled up with white nationalism and racism. So that was not a good sign. Although when Democratic Congressman Jerry Nadler told everyone what had happened, at least one of his Republican colleagues wasn't convinced. Alongside the stream, a live chat featured posts from users, some of whom published anti-Semitic screeds and argued that white nationalism is not a form of racism. These Jews want to destroy all white nations, wrote, I won't put in the name. Anti-hate is a code word for anti-white, wrote another, etc. So uh, this just illustrates part of the problem we're, we're dealing with. Could that be a hate hoax? What? Could that be another hate hoax? Just keep an open mind. Just keeping an open mind? A hate hoax? Racist comments on the internet are hate hoaxes? You know what's happened here, right? He thinks this is another Jussie Smollett. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. You see what you've done, Jussie? Now people are gonna say every hate crime is a hoax, which we know is not true. And also we know this wasn't Jussie, all right? Because if he set this internet hate hoax up, it would have been super obvious. The comments would have been like, white people will not be replaced. Just like how empire shouldn't replace Jussie. <laughs> hashtag white genocide, hashtag Emmy for Jussie. <laughs> All right, moving on. If you love using condoms, but you think they're just too easy to open, this might be just the thing for you. A new condom from an Argentinian brand emphasizes the importance of consent. The condom is designed so that it takes four hands to open it. It's called the consent pack. Here you go. Along the box, four different buttons. And in order to open it, one person must hit the two adjacent buttons while the second person hits the other two. What an insane world. Teaching men about consent is so hard, we have to build saw puzzles instead. <laughs> Do you wanna play a little game? It's called respecting women. I feel like this is gonna cause a lot of broken hearts, though. It's a cool idea, but imagine a guy you're really into takes you into his room, ladies, and then he pulls out a little box and he's like, hey, baby, there's been something I've been really meaning to ask you. Will you help me open this box so we can smash? <laughs> I will say this is great for dudes, though. Yeah, because if your sex doesn't last long, you can be like, I mean, technically the clock started when we were working on the box, so <laughs> good night. All right, let's move on to today's top story. The Democrats are running nearly a dozen simultaneous investigations into President Trump on everything from his finances to whether he is the elusive creature known as Sasquatch. <laughs> but at the top of the Democrats' list are three things they really want to see. Trump's tax returns, the full Mueller report, and Avengers Endgame. <laughs> but because Marvel doesn't mess around, they're concentrating on the first two, starting with taxes. Last week, the Democrats used their new powers in the House to request Trump's tax returns from the IRS. And even though the Democrats have the law on their side, this is the Trump administration, right? They don't care about laws. They care as much about laws as gravity cares about your iPhone screens. <laughs> and because of that, 
Mick Mulvaney, White House Chief of Staff and conservative John Lennon has come out <laughs> saying that they ain't handing over shit. The White House is pushing back against the request for President Trump's tax returns, calling it a political stunt. You believe Democrats will never see the president's tax returns? Oh, no, never. No, nor should they. Keep in mind that that's an issue that was already litigated during the election. Voters knew the president could have given his tax returns. They knew that he didn't, and they elected him anyway, which, of course, is what drives the Democrats crazy. Oh, that's some next-level logic. <laughs> oh, no, that's pretty smart. You see, what he's saying is because Trump won the election, it means everyone in the country is fine with everything he did, which is not true, right? Just because people voted for Trump doesn't mean they like everything he came with. It's like when you buy cable and it comes with six months of stars. Nobody's happy. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, ah, oh, fine. Just tell me what channel it's on so I know how to avoid it. <laughs> stars, we're the spirit airlines of cable. <laughs> and by the way, that argument is also a lie, all right? Trump didn't run on never releasing his taxes. In fact, if you remember, he specifically said, I will release them as soon as the audit is done. <laughs> yeah. So by Mulvaney's logic, you could argue that people actually voted for Trump to release his taxes. But that's not why I voted for him. Personally, I voted for Trump to keep banging Stormy Daniels. That's why I voted, yeah. <laughs> he voted for everything he did. So the Democrats, they sent a letter to the IRS demanding Trump's tax returns, right? But first, they have to go through Steve Mnuchin, Trump's treasury secretary and middle-aged millhouse. <laughs> but at a hearing on Capitol Hill today, Mnuchin didn't sound like he's ready to comply. We did receive the request. And as I've said in the past, uh, when we received the request, it would be reviewed by our legal department. And it is our intent to follow the law. And that is in the process of being reviewed. It, it would be premature for me to comment specifically what they are reviewing on or what they're not reviewing on. It is being reviewed uh, by the legal departments and uh, we look forward to responding to the letter. We will review the letter <laughs> and review the review after that has been reviewed, but I'm not sure right now if we can talk about that at this moment. Now, if you, if you don't speak rich nerd, let me translate. What he's saying is, I ain't handing over shit! <laughs> because clearly, the Trump administration's game plan is simple, right? They're just gonna keep reviewing this request until Trump isn't president anymore. It's the same technique girls used on me in school. When I asked them to prom, I'd be like, so, what do you say? They'd be like, um, let me review your request. You're saying <laughs> we'd go to the dance and then let me think if I think about it. And then it's just like, oh, we've graduated. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Trev. So the truth is it might be a while before Democrats see Trump's taxes, right? But things are more promising when it comes to seeing the full Mueller report. Because today, William Barr, the attorney general, and nearsighted Fred Flintstone was also in Congress. <laughs> and he dropped some yabba-dabba news. A big day on Capitol Hill in Washington. Attorney General William Barr testified before members of the House Appropriations Committee. Although he was not there to talk about his handling of special counsel Robert Mueller's report, he was still asked about it. My original timetable uh, of being able to release this uh, uh, by mid-April stands within a week. Uh, I will be in a position to release the poor to the public. Oh my God. <laughs> the Mueller report is gonna be here in less than a week? I still have so much to do. 
I'm not ready. I have to paint the nursery. I have to put the crib together. I don't even have a name yet. I'm thinking if the report is a boy, I'll go with Robert, obviously. And if the report is a girl, maybe Impeachonetta after my grandmother, yeah? What do you think? But before you get too excited about reading the full 400-page reports, there's something you need to understand, something you should probably know. Like most of the sex scenes in an in-flight movie, the report is gonna be heavily censored. Barr has promised to make public a redacted version soon. We will color code the excisions from the report and we will provide explanatory notes describing the basis uh, for each redaction. So for example, if a redaction is made because of a court order in a pending prosecution, We'll state that and we will, dis we will uh, distinguish between the various categories. Oh, they're gonna go with color-coded redactions. That's fancy. And it makes sense. I mean, the government does need to keep something secret, you know? A true government never tells. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate the color coding, you know? So at least we'll know why certain things are being kept a secret, yeah? So maybe it'll be like green for ongoing investigations, and then red for grand jury testimony, and obviously yellow for details about the P-tape, which <laughs> some people are hoping will be in the report. But look, <laughs> the truth is, I don't know if people should get their hopes up for the full Mueller report, because based on Barr's letter, there's probably not gonna be a chapter in there called impeachable stuff, okay? <laughs> so for the Democrats out there who are still hoping to have all their worst suspicions confirmed about Trump once and for all, you might not be able to rely on the Mueller report. Luckily, though, there's a man named Leo Deblin with a report that's guaranteed to give you what you need. Are you a Trump hater that's mad about the Mueller report? You gave that white man $30 million. He didn't even find a parking ticket. You don't care about what's in the Mueller report. You just wanted to say what you already believe. And if you can believe it, I can achieve it. Introducing the Leo Deblin, Deblin report, the only report guaranteed to say Trump colluded with Russia. And that's not all. The Leo Deblin Deblin report says that Trump is all the bad things you want him to be. He's a liar, a tax cheat. He's built like a baked potato. On page 10 of my report, it says that Trump is also having an affair with a hamburger. And it don't stop at Trump. For an additional fee, my reporters say anything you want it to say. Hey, you're cheating on me. No, baby, the Dublin report says I'm not. That's right. My report would not only find people guilty, it'll get you out of all types of stuff. How you think Justice Mullen got off? So forget Robert Mueller. Get the report you deserve. Leo Deblin Deblin report. It ain't but $85. You can get that from your mama. Leo Deblin Deblin report in the Institute of Father Friend. Devlin, Devlin Report, and Institute of Power. It's at 120 by the Fairgrounds. Next before. Jr., everybody. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. You know, there are some news stories that help us understand the world we live in. And there are some news stories that are just stupid. For those, we turn to Ronnie Chang. Thank you. 
America has a problem with food. You guys want your food to be cheap and fast, but also to be fresh and healthy. That's too many things, okay? You can't have both. It's like racial diversity at a ski lodge. It doesn't exist. And when Americans don't get everything they expect from their food, you end up with dumb lawsuits like this one. The Reading Eagle reports on a $5 million class action lawsuit that accuses Godiva of misleading consumers. The suit says Godiva's packaging reads Belgium 1926, implying the chocolate is made there when it's actually made in Reading, Pennsylvania. Godiva says the Belgian brand is proud of its roots and the company's logo reflects the spirit. Come on, guys, you're telling me that Americans care that their chocolate isn't from Belgium? I'll give you the money myself if you can show me where Belgium is on the map. But also, Godiva, why are you tricking people about where your chocolate is from? Nobody cares. You could say that it was made in Bernie Sanders' shoe and people would still eat it, okay? People love chocolate so much that Willy Wonka killed kids and we didn't even care because he made chocolate. Americans are so entitled. Not only does a cheap food have to be exotic, they also want it to be organic, like this lady. A Bronx woman is suing TGI Fridays for $5 million, claiming the restaurant's potato skin snacks aren't actually made of potatoes. The potato skin snacks come in bags, are sold in stores and vending machines across the country. The woman says she bought the snack at a Bronx bodega, but says she wouldn't have made the purchase if she knew the product didn't contain real potatoes. She claims the food is misbranded and not as healthy as the restaurant's popular appetizer. Okay, so I get where this lady is coming from. I would also be pissed because you can't sell a snack called potato skins if it doesn't have any potatoes in it, okay? Imagine if you got tickets to a Beyonce concert and when you got there, I came out. <laughs> You'll be furious, why? Because you're not ready for the jelly, uh. But still, how is this lady suing for $5 million? Like, how much did she spend on these potato skins? $4? Okay, well, then she gets the $4 back, okay? In fact, you know what? Here, here's a 10, okay? Go buy yourself 30 seconds of therapy. <laughs> I mean, honestly, who is expecting food from TGI Fridays? They give you two appetizers, two entrees, and two desserts, all for 20 bucks. That's not a meal, that's a yard sale. Okay? <laughs> Again, we don't need a lawsuit. Just give the lady her money back, and TGI Fridays, you can still call them potato skins. You just have to put a question mark at the end. Yeah, that way, you're not just selling a snack, you're selling a mystery. <laughs> Seriously, America, you can't keep suing everything, okay? Just accept the fact that everyone is lying to you. Companies are lying to you, the government is lying to you, your wife is cheating on you with me. Nothing is real, okay? You can't even trust water. A judge has given new life to a class action lawsuit accusing Poland Spring of selling water that's sourced from wells and not springs. He ruled last week that an amended complaint can proceed with claims in eight states. Poland Springs corporate parent, Connecticut-based Nestle Waters North America, reiterated Tuesday that it's a meritless lawsuit and said the judge's decision doesn't undermine its confidence. That's right. A woman is mad that Poland Spring water doesn't come from a spring. It comes from a well. Yeah, I just told the people in Flint, Michigan about this story and they said to go yourself. <laughs> Seriously. Who actually thinks Poland spring water comes from a spring in Poland? Do you also think your smart water went to MIT? <laughs> it's all marketing. Although to be fair, CVS water does come from CVS, okay? It's locally sourced from the CVS break room toilet. Look. I think America would have fewer lawsuits if people were more skeptical of what they put in their bodies in the first place. And if you ask me, this is just a scheme people are using to try and get rich, which is why I'm also joining in.
Trevor, I am suing you. Consider yourself served. What? Why? Because the food you left in the fridge today wasn't organic, and I almost didn't finish it. Wait, what do you mean the food? That was my food. You ate my lunch, Ronnie. That was my lunch. Trevor, Trevor we'll let the courts decide. Ronnie Chang, everybody, we'll be right back. That's great. That's is a two-time Olympic gold medalist and FIFA Women's World Cup champion. She's also an activist and best-selling author whose latest book is called Wolfpack, How to Come Together, Unleash Our Power, and Change the Game. Please welcome Abby Wambach. Welcome Standing to the show. Ovation. You have an amazing audience. You, you pay them well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they will be receiving that money I promised them. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. And uh, congratulations on the book. Let's talk about the book because it really speaks about everything that you've done in your life and everything that we deal with. Many people know you as a really successful soccer player who uh, in many ways led the U.S. women's soccer team to some of its greatest victories. Um, you know, your header in the World Cup against Brazil is one of the most famous ones. Um, but, but the conversations in this book speak about many of the conversations that people are still having today about women's soccer in the U.S., and that is, why is the women's team not getting paid what they are owed? In other words, equal pay for the work that they're doing. It's insane. You know, I, I really feel like this is a, a true discrimination lawsuit that they've just filed against U.S. soccer, and... Um, I'm proud to be supporting them. But here's the thing. The big argument, right, that I hear is that the, men, the men's team brings in more money. So, of course, that's why they should deserve to make more money. But that's just not true. In 2015, the women's team brought in $6.6 .6 million. And the men's team only brought in two. So, like, that debate is now n no longer can right. be a part of this conversation. And, you know, we were talking backstage. And I think that what you said is, is actually a deeper truth that, that people don't want to talk about. And it's the amount of money that it takes to market and brand something right. so that the supply and demand de debate can actually make sense, well, right? This, yeah, well, this is something that, w that we spoke about. Like, uh, we, we, we did it on the show. And I remember, you know, handling the conflict both in the show and in my head. I was like, okay, well, let's, let's go with all sides of the argument. On one side, you go, women's soccer, they, they're winning, they should get more money. And some would say, yeah, but they, you know, they don't earn as much money. But if you look at all the, 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 the hurdles that women's soccer has to get over in America, First of all, the games are on at random times. Great so point. they're not scheduled in a way that people can watch. And then if you look at how much money was pumped into the MLS and men's soccer in the country, mm -hmm. it, was, it was a loss generator. Mm -hmm. And that money hasn't been pumped into women's soccer. And, and as, as, a, as a soccer player who was winning the games, did you ever at a point on the field just be like, no, I'm not gonna let the ball hit my skull, no. <laughs> did you ever think that? Like, what, what motivated I, you if you weren't getting the money? I mean, now I think I should have done more of that because I'm no longer playing and I'm like, I hit the ball against my head way too many times. <laughs> right. And that's a serious and total side issue. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think that the women are like, wait, hold on, this doesn't make sense, right? We are putting ourselves in the same uh, positions. Uh, we're putting our bodies on the line. We're sacrificing the same amount. And this is not to slight the men in any way. This is to showcase how, um, how much I, I just truly believe in the women because aside from all of the argument that we can make for these women earning the same as the men, we haven't even once talked about them actually winning championships. Right. Right? And that's an important f part of this, this debate as well. Like, the women's national team is one of the most successful 
team sports in the world, mm -hmm. and we're still struggling. We're still struggling to get equal pay, and um, and that it just feels so backwards. And it's like, wow, the '99 World Cup team just had their 20th uh, anniversary alumni right. last weekend, and um, you know the sport has grown, and we've moved a far way from where we started, but we also started below the poverty line. You Definitely. know, people were playing for free. If you if you look at the book. It's based on a commencement speech that you gave that really went viral, you know, because it connected with so many people. And one of the one of the the, the, the the quotes in the book reminds me of what you said in that speech. And that was when you were looking at yourself on a stage at the ESPYs. It was yourself, and it was um, Kobe Bryant, and it was Peyton Manning. And you were all on the stage being honored as legends in your fields. And you walked off that stage and you had a very specific thought. And that thought was... Wow, all three of us are walking into very different retirements. On stage, I was feeling this immense amount of gratitude, like, right. wow, we women had finally made it, you know? And what, what I realized when I walked off stage is that's like basically the emotion that women are granted to feel when they are given an award, this idea of just being grateful. So for me, writing this book and trying to unpack some of these moments in my life that taught me things, I mean, that night is when I dedicated, and I, I promised myself that I would dedicate myself for the rest of my life to fighting for equality, whether it be equal pay um, in my sport and in, in my, for my team, but also for every woman in, ev in every industry, because this is a fight that is necessary. And it's not necessary just because women deserve it. It's necessary for all people everywhere, right? Because our, our world feels like, I mean, you talk about all the things that seem to be on fire, right. that, that seem to be going wrong. And I believe that women having more access to the tables where decisions are made, um, that will, help this world better, to be better. That you bring that up, because there, there have been numerous studies that have shown that when you pay women what they are due, if you give women access to the workplace, if women earn more, society earns more. And you see this in countries where it's happening. Mm -hmm. It's not like because the women get money, now the men don't get money. Mm -hmm. The economy grows. Right. People earn more money. And this is, this is a really interesting part of the book. It's, it's right at the beginning, and, and it's just a beautiful little anecdote. You go, um, recently on a call with a company hiring me to teach about leadership, a man said, excuse me, Abby, I just need to ensure that what you present is applicable to men too. I said, good question, but only if you asked every male speaker you've hired if his message is applicable to women too. Which is a really powerful thought that you don't think about. People will often say that. They'll be like, oh, but hey, yeah. so the, do the men understand women leadership? Yeah. Well, and also, this was like a women leadership conference that I was going oh, wow. to. <laughs> so, like, for this dude to, like, say this on the call, and I'm saving him from, from actually putting this company out and his name, but, but the reality is, like, these microaggressions happen all the time. Right. And uh, I think what we need to start doing is becoming aware of what these micro microaggressions are. That's what this whole book is about. Um, and, then, and then having the courage and the language to be able to counteract some of these things that we are, are, are interacting with in, in the everyday life. So me asking him that very question, my wife is the best at this. She's like, just flip it. Just flip the scenario, put yourself in their position. Yes. And, and if it is not equal, then that is prejudice. That, right. is, that is treating somebody less than. When you... When you talk in the book about these, these ideas, what I really enjoy is, is a, there's a part of the book where you specifically say, hey, if you are a man reading this book, I hope you realize this book is for you as well. Yeah. This is a message we all have to engage in. 
And you speak specifically about the wolves in Yellowstone, right? And it's a story many people know or don't know. It's about how in Yellowstone they were struggling with overpopulation of, of deers. And the deer were destroying everything. They were eating everything. They had no predator. And so the people said, we need to introduce wolves. Yeah, the river stopped running. Right. And so this decided, the, the scientists um, decided that they would reintroduce wolves into the Yellowstone National Park, Park ecosystem. And soon enough, the, the wolves, they displaced the, the deer through, through hunting. Um, and then the vegetation grew, grew back and the riverbank started to, to strengthen. And then the river started to, to run again. And so when I was giving this speech at Barnard last May, <clears throat> you know, it was one of the most special moments of my life because I was trying to connect the dots. And, and when you write a speech, you don't know if they're going to get it. You know right. what I'm saying? When, yes. you, when you write a joke, you don't know if people are going to laugh, although they're paid to laugh. <laughs> um, again, you will receive your money. <laughs> Um, and and so when I told when I when I told them this story about the wolves, I was hoping that these Barnard graduates would get the connection between what the wolves were experiencing, like what they you know wolves are were threat to the system, and they ended up being the salvation of this right. dying ecosystem. And so too can we as women be the salvation of what's happening in our system right now. It's a really beautiful message. It's a powerful book. I'm excited for the journey that you're going to be on. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Wolfpack is available now. It's a really fun read. Abby Wambach, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.